have you with us. You, you know what? Uh, it's really nice to have a bigger place, but the, the problem is when you have a bigger place, then now I got to do a whole lot of this to look at all of you. You know, you're, you're spread out like the, 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 the seed men, you know, not paying attention to where he's sowing. They're all over the place. Some fell on the good soil, some on the rocky soil. <laughs> it's good to have you uh, here this morning. Glad you're here. Uh, we're going to continue with our study. The challenge for me this morning is to cover the grace of God in 45 minutes. And everybody laugh, including me. <laughs> so we'll see how, how, about, how far we go with it. Uh, last week, you know, I tried to cover depravity in 45 minutes. And then Kurt Sorensen came to me after the lessons events. You know, you can do another lesson in a different class. I said, well, you know, my work schedule is going to change. <laughs> so I'm going to be working some Sunday morning. So I do have a challenge there. But uh, uh, maybe the way that I arrange things today might, might help us out. Okay, so we'll see. So let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. And then we'll uh, right, jump right into our lesson. Lord God, we just want to thank you and praise you for who you are. Lord, we want to thank you that you are God. And uh, Lord, we want to thank you for your grace, Lord. And may we get a, a glimpse, uh, an understanding of, uh, of your grace, Lord, what it is, how it works, and um, that it is indeed amazing. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Be with our study. Be with me, Lord, as we send this study. And glorify yourself, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, grace is important, but before we can talk about grace, I want to do a, a two-minute review of what we uh, spoke last week, and that is depravity. You know, depravity is not that man is just bad, but that man is better off. Everything about man is bad. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have a hope. <laughs> he doesn't have a prayer like by himself, right? And uh, it was kind of interesting uh, told my wife, I'll mention that uh, this morning. We, we were coming here uh, on the way to church this morning. And she said, what is the purpose of the dispensations? What is the purpose of the dispensation? Now, dispensations are God's management, right? At different times, God reveals something about himself and there is an expectation, right? So, but, so we know there are seven dispensations or nine dispensations, whatever people Dividing on, right? but what what is the purpose, or maybe one of the purpose of the dispensation, Matt? No matter what the dispensation is, man is always depraved, and man can never reconcile himself to God based on his own efforts. You know, whether it's a little revelation of God or a lot of revelation from God, man is always Depraved, right? We get to the dispensation of the kingdom, right? Or the, mil the millennium in particular, if we're talking here, where everything is perfect, right? The Lord Jesus Christ is on his throne. He's ruling from his throne. Nobody gets out of line. And then man is really good. No, at the end of 1,000 years, there is this great rebellion against God, right? Against the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So man is completely depraved, means that he is better off. How is he better off? Well, he is better off because he is under sin. He's under the power of sin, right? His personal sin, his sin nature, and then he is a bondage to sin. 
he is better off because he's spiritually dead. He's better off because he's under Satan's control, under the power of Satan. Okay? Uh, we saw that last week. He's better off because he's lost. You know, he's lost his way. All we like sheep have gone astray, right? Isaiah says. And then he's better off because he is condemned to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And we asked last week, what does a person have to do to go to hell? And the answer is absolutely nothing. We come into the world already contaminated by sin, right? Uh, it's a genetic issue, not a generic, like my wife was trying to get me to say last week. Genetic, with a T. <laughs> uh, just speaking of her because she, she was correcting me rightly so, right? But yeah, so depravity is, is a problem that we have. You know, that even when our children uh, are born, they already come into the world affected. And giving them enough time, the sin nature is going to be manifested. And that depravity is going to come self-evident very, very soon. Okay? Um, so total depravity is such a condition that man could not find his way out beyond his capacity to resolve and without hope. And we talked about a question that we asked last week that, that Matt also got all over it. So the answer to total depravity is indeed total grace. It's indeed grace. Now, how, how am I going to tackle grace? I, you know, I started to think about how to study this. And I said, well, you know, yeah, I'm going to talk about grace. Uh, so one of the things that I thought that I would do for you, if you... Uh, uh, what is my starting point, right? Uh, so there is a verse, or part of a verse, that we have on our Facebook. And if you want to Facebook, you know, it says something, a part of that verse, right? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, uh, training us, right? Or, uh, yeah, uh, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope in the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So verse 13, that's what I, we have on our, on our study, on our, on our Facebook page. And of all the stuff, I said, you know what? Uh, these three verses do present a great outline to study grace. There are things that we can pick and study about this. So we are talking about... And grace, right? And so the first thing that it says is for the grace of God. So we are going to first define grace. In simple terms, what is, what is grace? So you guys know what is grace? What's our definition for grace? Unmerited favor. God's favor for us, right? God is going to do for people something that they do not deserve. That is un, unmerited, Right? Uh, and as I said, the grace of God appears. You know, the Greek term for grace, you know, is the, the name is charis. Uh, and some of the words that derive from charis are some things like they produce. It's something that produces well-being. So it's God's favor, God's well-being, God's desire uh, for men. In the Old Testament, in the Septuagint, uh, the word charis is used 190 times. Now remember, the Septuagint is the version of the Old Testament that has been translated to Greek. So it's a Greek version 
of the Old Testament. And they translated it, the word carries there 190 times. The most common of that, the equivalent, there is one equivalent that is the word ken or chen, and also carries the idea of favor, right? And we remember Genesis 6, 8, right? When the Lord said to Noah, but Noah found grace with the Lord, right? So good. And then uh, in Exodus 33, 12, uh, it talks about um, uh, Moses, and Moses is talking to the Lord, and he wants the Lord to learn a little bit more. And, and yet, at the end of the verses, yet you have said, I know you by name, and you, have ha- and you have found grace in my sight. So the Lord referring to Moses. And Moses commenting that the Lord has said to him, you have found grace in my sight. Right? And the idea of, of grace, of favor, carries the, the meaning behind it of the word um, of mercy, being merciful, okay? Uh, the word charis is used 155 times, and I got a challenge for you. This is it. Who would like to read that? Linda? Okay, this is like Jeopardy. Ah, you answer wrong. <laughs> Who is Paul? Right, that's a Jeopardy way, right? You got to <laughs> phrase that in a question. <laughs> you got to phrase that as, as a question, right? Yeah, you watch Jeopardy, right, Jim? Yeah. Who is Paul? Don't, you know, don't be messing up here. <laughs> Yeah, Paul is, is, the, is the person that the Lord chose to really develop the grace of God, the idea of the grace of God. And it's kind of interesting because as we read in the statement, it says that this was done, right, um, up and against the rabbinical proposition of justification on the basis of works. And what was Paul before God called him? A Pharisee. So, you know, we would have never picked a Pharisee to defend the grace of God. But God said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to take one of you guys. I'm going to change his heart. I'm going to display grace on this person. And he is going to be the, the, the great exponent of, of God's grace. Right? God's grace. And Paul, uh, of the 155 times that the word grace is used in the New Testament, Paul uses it um, 100 times. Paul uses 100 times. What would you think are perhaps the two or three books that Paul wrote that really expound grace or that really tackle grace? I'm sorry? Ephesians will be one. There are two more. Who? Romans and Galatians. That's right. Those will be the three books that we will say. Romans, you know, Galatians, and Ephesians. They really work, uh, expanded on the grace of God. Okay. So, um, our focus with grace today, it will relate to salvation. Okay. Grace in response to, to the poverty, right? The law was to show sin, but we are no longer under the law. So, on that verse, the first thing that we see is, uh, is the word grace. So, that's my first item on the outline. The second part of my study on, on the verse, it says, For the grace 
of God. So not only we have the definition of grace, but now we have the source of that grace, right? This is an act of God. This has to deal with God's um, character and with God's um, motion toward men, how God responds to men. You know, again, all this dispensation, men could not get it right. We will never be able to get it right because we have the sin nature, because we are under uh, the power of sin, and then the Lord God intercedes, and that is His grace. It means that God bestows favor on men, undeserved favor on men. Again, Ephesians is one of those books that we will look into that. Yeah, it's the grace of God. God is the author of grace. I want us to look a little bit at what are some of these characteristics of God's grace. And, uh, uh, and uh, I need somebody to go. Let's, let's look at these, two, these three verses, Ephesians 5 through 7. Read that, somebody read that for me. And I should read it, Matt. I should read it. Think about some of the characteristics that are noted there about God's grace. Okay, Matt? So, what are some of the characteristics? Two or three characteristics of God's grace. Some are really evident. How about in verse 6? Look at verse 6. What does he say about grace in verse 6? He blessed us. Well, he blessed us, but something about his grace, yeah. His freely is free, right? What else? Say something about the character, something like it is glorious. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that he talks about that is God's grace is glorious, right? How about uh, look at verse 7 when he talks about something of his grace. The riches of his grace. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that God's grace is inexhaustible. It, you, he will never run out of grace. <laughs> we will never run out of grace. The riches of his grace are enough to provide for the salvation of everybody that's ever existed and will exist and might exist. <laughs> Matt? Kind of appropriate when you talk about this day, October 31st. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, today's, you know, some people celebrate uh, what is, whatever it is today. Uh, uh, but it's Reformation Day, right, when, when Luther nailed the, the 95 Thesis on the, on the cathedral. That's correct. Yeah, and something else that we can learn about the grace there, that look at verse 6. You know, let me see if I can turn around and say, To the praise of His glorious grace. Grace, God's grace is worthy of praise. What a kind of grace this is, right? That is worthy of praise. So it is glorious, it is inexhaustible, and it's worthy of praise. This is God's grace to people who don't deserve it. Tom? Huh? 
Well, don't, uh, we are going to eventually, I hope, to, uh, to get to the word predestination. And uh, there's a lot of misconception about what the word predestined means. So I don't want to maybe interact too much on that now. So wait a few more weeks and they will get there. Because there's a lot of misunderstanding of, of uh, by theological systems regarding the word predestination. You know, they're always taken out of context, seems like, or out of order. Uh, that's one of the things. But good thought. Yeah. Any other things? John, you had a smile on your face, so. And you got any thoughts? No? Okay. All right. Any, anything else about the source of grace? You know, being, being here from God, he's worthy to the, it's, it's a characteristic of God, it's his nature. So let's move again. As we move through the verse, right, the next thing that we come to is the manifestation of grace. The manifestation of grace. And what do you think the manifestation of grace is, given these three scriptures? Is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Grace always existed, we, we learn, in just a second we'll see that, but even in this verse. But it came a time in history that grace took the form of man. It's personified. It became materialized, right? It came uh, to us. For the grace of God has appeared. Appear means that it became visible, meaning that it was already in existence. It was already in place, right? The Lord Jesus Christ is eternal God. He's been there forever. But at a certain point in history, he became man. His grace took the form of man, right? Um, in, we have that verse. Uh, this is a reference to whom we talked about that. Uh, look at that verse. Who would like to read those few verses there? Matt? Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of being his prisoner, but share in suffering the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us with holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through God. So, how long has the grace of God been around? How long has the Lord Jesus Christ been around? Forever, yeah. But then there is a point in history, right, that has says at the right time, in the fulfillment of time, in the fullness of time, right, the Lord Jesus came. You know? But when Galatians 4, 4 and 5, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. At the proper time, you know, God didn't check out with men. God said, okay, now, now I'm going to do it. It is time for grace to be manifested. Now, there was grace in the Old Testament too, right? We saw with Moses, we saw with Noah, and God's grace was manifested in different ways, right? Through his mercy, right? And through the bringing up the plan of salvation, even with uh, in the uh, beginning chapters of the book of Genesis, right? When he clothed Adam and Eve, right? When he promised the Redeemer. All from the beginning, God's grace is there. But at, at one point in history, it becomes flesh, right? In John 1, 1, 1, 14, right? And the Word became flesh. So God's grace, right? The manifestation 
of God's grace. Okay, thoughts or comments? I got 11 points, so, you know, I'm moving. <laughs> Andrew. Yeah. Sure. So, in other words, grace is not a thing. Grace is a person. Right? That's when we get later on to the gospel of grace. You know, we are not saved by things, we are saved by a person. <laughs> right? Yeah. Good insight, Andrew. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah. Rory. It, yes, are both. Yes, it's not what. Yeah, he's, he displays favor. So that's part of his nature, his characteristics. And at the same time, he is right. It's his essence. Is that what you're saying too? Uh, did I get it correctly? It is a character. It is one of the natures of God, one of the attributes of God, right? And, and, and we talked about being also one of those communicable, but I'm not going to touch on that, on that sense, right? It's, it's in the sense that we are going to study about God's display of favor toward us. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Okay, any other thoughts? Okay, so what we are next? The purpose of grace. So according to that verse of Titus 2, what is the purpose of grace? To bring salvation. Okay. So if grace is the Lord Jesus Christ, brings salvation, that tells me something about, that kind of goes along with the book of Acts in chapter 4. It says something about that salvation is where? No one else. <laughs> right? Yeah. Salvation is, is no one else. So the purpose of grace is to bring salvation, okay? Uh, this is uh, to the, is to, what does salvation mean? Let me, let's talk about this. We talk about the word salvation, but what does the word salvation mean? Well, to be saved from something. Well, use, use another word that is not save or salvation to describe save or salvation. Say that again? Rescue. To rescue, right? To rescue. To rescue from... Distraction, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on my boat and I fell in the lake and I'm, and I'm dying. And great, somebody grabs me, right? I can do nothing because I'm not a good swimmer. If they jump in the water, I'll take him with me. <laughs> so somebody grabs me and pulls me and pulls me up. To uh, grace means of salvation, right? And salvation is connected to a savior. One who delivers, right? That's what we talked about earlier, the manifestation of grace. Salvation is a person, it's not a thing. John, 1 John 5, 11 and 12, right? And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in the sacraments. This is life is in baptism. This life is in tithing. This life is in... in no. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Okay? Salvation, grace, is found in a person. In the God-man who took 
are formed. So the purpose of uh, God's grace is to bring salvation, to rescue from destruction, right? Um, in Titus 3, 4 or 5 says, But when the kindness and the love of God appear, the kindness and the love of God our Savior to our men appear, not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Right? Again, we are not saved by what we do, but we are saved by an act of God. In Acts 4.12, uh, as I said, no, there is salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was manifested, and He appeared so that we could be saved. And one um, verse that we know, right? Uh, uh, let me see. Let me move forward. Right. Ephesians. Right. And look, look at the parallel that exists right there. For by grace, uh, you have been saved through faith and done out of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There is some parallelism and there is some contrast there, right? Uh, you see there what it says, uh, the, the contrast. By grace, not of works, a gift, not of works. Or grace, uh, by grace, not your own doing. And then it says a gift versus works. And the parallel, you know, that's the contrast. The parallels are grace and gift, not your doing, not of works, right? So there's some contrast between grace and works. And there's a parallel. Grace means that it is God's gift. Grace saves from distractions. It rescues from distraction. But grace does more than that. It cancels the depravity of men. And it affects its consequences. Uh, grace doesn't just save us, right? It, it, it does more than that. And we are going to see uh, that when we get to verse uh, point 11. <laughs> Maybe next week. Thoughts or questions? Okay. Let's see. The richer grace. Okay, what is the richer grace? Say that loud. All people. How far or to whom does God's grace impact? Everybody. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for the few, the chosen, the Marines. No. <laughs> Nothing against the Marines. I love the Marines. Semper Fi. I like that phrase. Right? But no. Right? It says there that to bring salvation to who? To all people. Right? Uh, and this is not universalism. Right? This doesn't mean that everybody is now saved. It's that the provision for salvation is made so that everybody has the opportunity to be saved. And that opportunity is based on how they respond to God's grace, all right? Um, and there's a lot of verses uh, that, that support that. Uh, so let's look, at a, let's look at a few, okay? There we go. Who would like to read those two verses for me? Somebody from the back, like Jim. Would you like to read that? Can't see. Why? Well, you mean I got to make those things bigger? Somebody from uh, Andrew.
Yeah, he desires all people. So that's God's desire. That's what God wants. Will everybody do that? No. But the provision is made for everybody. The Lord Jesus Christ, John 3.16, right? We know that well, right? So God has made that provision for everybody. And you, would you read the next verse? Yeah, and that we have that combination there. He's the Savior of all people. The provision has been made for everybody, but it's applicable to whom? Those who believe, those who respond to grace, right? And we are going to be talking about that a little bit. And as mentioned, John 3.16. So, yeah, God's grace uh, is for all people. There is nobody in the world, there has never been anybody in the world that was outside of the reach of God's grace. Right? God's grace is universal. The response is not universal. <laughs> right? But God's grace is universal. Thoughts or comments? Okay, so let's go to the next one. Oh, well, we're moving along with number six. <laughs> the discipleship of God's grace. Why do I use that word there? That's what? It's training. Yeah, you know that when a person receives the grace of God, he now has become a disciple? <laughs> right? Because what does grace do? Grace teaches. Grace trains. It's under instruction, right? Grace, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, not only impacts our status as a person, not only impacts us in relationship to, uh, with our sphere, but it also does what? It changes lives. The grace of God changes, puts us under instruction. And how often does he do that? Well, it's kind of interesting. The verb training there is in the present tense and it's the active voice. You know what that means? You do. That the grace, say that? It's ongoing. ongoing. (laughs) God's grace is an ongoing teacher. Continually teach. Now, I can be a good student, or I can be a bad student, but it doesn't change the nature, the function of what grace is doing. Grace is working. But it's also the responsibility of more mature creatures to assist in that grace. Sure, sure. It's not not a soul. That's correct, yeah. But here I'm focusing on grace. But you're absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah, that's why we come here, right? That's why you're in Sunday school, right? Uh, yeah, I'm using God's word, so, um, so I'm, uh, that grace is communicated through the word now. That teaching is communicated through the, the teaching of the word, right? So, yeah, God's grace is continually teaching. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to, to bring us to maturity. Right? And I tell you what, I'm, I'm a terrible student. <laughs> Uh, you know, I need to take the same class over and over. You know, I can never graduate. <laughs> I'm going to have to be taught and retaught, and then I need to be taught again. You know, and like my wife will say to the kids, if I told you once, I told you a million times, like my wife would tell me, you know, my mom, says, how many times did I tell you that? Right? You know, I, I imagine that sometimes the Lord does that with me. He grabs his hair and says, oh, Vince, here you go again. All right? And uh, 
Praise God for his grace, right? But it's a teaching grace. And he does that continually. What's one of those verses that, that everybody knows regarding teaching? Right? Remember in, in the, oh, I should have it here, right? Titus, uh, not Titus, 2 Timothy 3.16. Let me, I think I may have it there. Uh, no, I, yeah, I think I do. I'm not sure if I put it there or not. Yeah, there it is. All scripture is breathed out of from God. I'm using a different version, so I read a little bit different. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So you have both the, the teaching and the training right there. Right? Wow. The word of God. Okay. Uh, the, the written grace of God. <laughs> we have the Lord Jesus Christ as the manifesting grace of God. Right? And then we have the word, his word, as the written, the explanation of God's grace. Right? But through the scripture. What Mark is saying. And if it involves the scripture, it involves some kind of. Some, some teacher, you know, that, that's going to be teaching. So that's another aspect of God's grace, discipleship, right? It disciplines, it trains us, it wants us to mature, it wants us to grow. Not just to, you know, I'm okay for eternity, I'm being delivered from the sphere of the dead, but I want your life to be different right now. Right now. He wants, God wants that. Jesus Christ wants that. Okay. Questions or thoughts? Yes, Andrew? This is what Paul was talking about when he was coming on. Um, I don't remember which one was talking about, but that's what he said. This is the goal that I press on, but I have not yet achieved. Philippians, yeah. Laying the things behind, I press forward. Amen. Yeah, move forward. Grow. Teaching. Discipleship. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I like this because my wife and I was, she was telling, I, I'm, I was in the car coming here. She started talking about the things and I'm just, I'm thinking, just be quiet and wait for Sunday school. <laughs> but I didn't tell her that. <laughs> I didn't tell her that. The anticipation of grace. The hope of grace. What is grace looking forward to? Yeah. You know, grace, you know, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are looking for his return. He's looking to coming back. <laughs> right? Yeah. We are anticipating the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I take it that as we get in the word, as we get taught in the word, then we can... Uh, nurture and mature in him and say, Lord, you know, we, we, we want to be with you. We're looking forward to that. And the idea there of looking forward, anticipating, um, I, let me illustrate this with a personal story. Um, years ago, uh, when I had a different job and the, and the, and the boys were, were young, right, I would come back from work and, and Ned had the kids all kid up. They say, it was like, Papa's coming home. Your dad is coming home. So the kids were excited. You know, your dad is coming home, right? And so they were looking because they knew that I was coming. It's not a matter of, I wonder if he will come or not. There was a certainty there that I was coming home, right? And that's the idea that is expressed here. There is a certainty, there is an assurance that the Lord is coming back. And we ought to be anticipating 
looking forward to that. Say, Lord, you're coming back. The anticipation of that grace, that hope that we have, right? Um, what verse do I want to share with you? Uh, there's a number of them. Uh, somebody, I didn't put it here, uh, but I think I got a verse there. Yeah. Who would like to read that? Sherry? Yeah, encourage one another. The Lord is coming back, all right? It can be at any moment. If the Lord is coming back, be excited about it. It doesn't matter if you didn't finish your house or you didn't get the Ferrari that I want. I've been wanting a Ferrari forever, you know? Uh, maybe I'll drive one in heaven. I don't know. I probably won't need one there. <laughs> right. But the anticipation, the Lord is coming back. Who would like to read for me? I need you to get your Bible out for this one. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. Somebody read. Jordan, would you do that? Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. Hebrews 9, 27. <laughs> yeah, that's right. See that? He came once to die. The second time, he's not going to come to die. It's to deliver. It's to rescue those who have put their trust in him. So we anticipate that. We look forward to that. And you know, when things are, are, are going well, it's, you know, people don't think about the coming of the Lord, right? Yeah, I mean, things are going great. I got my nice vacation house and the family is all good and stuff like that, you know. But when things are getting tough, <laughs> we say, come on, Lord, <laughs> what am I doing here, right? Why are you waiting so long, right? And so there is an urgency sometimes that we see that. Okay, any other questions or comments? Otherwise, we move to point number eight. Point number eight is, is a little bit different, the response to grace. So grace offers salvation. Grace has come. Right? Uh, salvation is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made provision for all men, but there needs to be a response to grace. However, there are two responses to grace, right? Dwayne? Okay, yeah, I, I was thinking uh, that's, that's good, but I was thinking in different, in different light. Okay? Yeah. yeah, that's the light that I was thinking. I was thinking in yes. And ending in the no. I appreciate that. Okay. The one that I was thinking was the positive response. Right? What is the positive response? Yes. yes. Lord Jesus, I'm turning my life over to you. I'm going to trust you. Okay. My life now belongs to you. I want to enter into a discipleship position with you. I want to be your servant. Right? I give my life over to you. So it's a positive response, right? Who would like to read that verse? Rory? For if, because of one man's trespasses, 
You see that? Those who much more who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. But as many, John 12, right? Do I have you there? But as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. So God's grace has come. It's offered to all men. And God expects us, or he wants people to, to, to give a positive response. Right? God commands all men now, everywhere, to do what? To repent. So God's given a warning. Judgment day is coming. Be warned. Do something. Repent. Right? And then on the negative side, who would like to read that? Linda. You know, that's a really nice verse, but I meant to put verse here is 4.2, not 12. See what happens when you put the wrong. Uh, let me read I got it right here. Okay. So let me read that. Hebrews 4.2, it says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us, to us as well. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the words which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Right? So the gospel was preached. They heard the word. But how was their response? Positive or negative? negative? Negative. So they did not respond. So grace demands a response. God desired that that response be positive. Okay? Ah, the state of grace. Okay. Three minutes. Let's see. You know, let me summarize here a little bit. Uh, on the state of grace, uh, remember that last week we talked about depravity? And when a person was uh, on depravity, uh, what happens? We, that means that we were under the power in a state of depravity, right? That was the sphere that we moved in. But that's no longer the case. Who would like to read those, those verses there so that way we'll move a little quicker? Donette. Yeah, stop there. See, we were under the law. We were under sin, under the power of sin, under the pressure, the bondage of sin. And now we are not there anymore. We have been moved to a different sphere. What sphere is that? Grace, because we are in Christ. Right? Ned, please. We're standing in grace. How about that? It's a bubble of grace all around us. Right? Surrounded by grace. Our base, our foundation is grace. What a great thought. And then in John 1.16 says, For of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace or grace for grace. And that pictures the ocean. When do the waves stop at the ocean? They never do, Right? In particular, you see that when it's high tide, you know, you have a wave, and then there's another one behind it. And then another one comes on. And another, that's the picture that is being presented there in John, right? That grace is always coming. It's always there. So we have been changed from the sphere of the dead to that of grace. I got two points, so give me a second. We are no longer under the law. We are no longer under sin. 
We are not under depravity. We don't function in that sphere anymore. But we are now under grace. Um, you know what? The, the last two points are, I don't want to rush through them. And so what if we'll pick him up uh, next week? Uh, let's do that. But remember, we are under grace. Grace changes things. Tom? That's what I agree. Anyway. That was from And you know, the neat thing is that when we read the epistles, you know, the greetings that Paul often mentions, he says, Grace and peace to you from God the Father. You know, lately I've been, when I wake up in the morning and do my prayer time, one of the things I say, Lord, good morning. And thank you for your grace and your peace. <laughs> thank you for that greeting. Now, I'm going to go straight into the day. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. But Lord, thank you. Thank you that your posture toward me is one of grace and peace. So let's pray. Lord God, we just want to thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that it is indeed amazing. We thank you in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. ESV.